teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 41 of the Simply Teach podcast. Today's episode is all going to be about cooperative learning, and I'm going to be specifically talking about Kagan cooperative learning because that is what I've been trained under. So if you want a little bit more, um, I'm going to be, I guess, talking about Kagan cooperative learning with my take on it. If you want to hear from Dr. Kagan himself, you can go listen in. There's like episode five and a half or like a bonus episode where I actually get to interview Dr. Kagan. And episode number 39 is with my friend Sarah Hakeem, who is a classroom teacher, but also a Kagan trainer part-time. And so we talk about Kagan as well. And you can go listen to that episode for a little bit more behind the scenes Kagan insight. So first I want to start out and just define, well, acknowledge that group work and cooperative learning are two different things. And I guess you could say, maybe I'm totally wrong in this, but cooperative learning is group work, but group work is not cooperative learning, if that makes sense. So I think a lot of times we're doing group work and we are having our kids work together and thinking that we're doing great things and they're collaborating and all that stuff. But cooperative learning is actually something a little bit different. So I want to read what Dr. Kagan says cooperative learning is. So I am referencing his book, Kagan Cooperative Learning. It's like the most generic cooperative learning book that he has. What I mean by that is like, it's the basic one, I guess. If you are interested in Kagan Cooperative Learning, this is the book. I'll link to it in the show notes. This is the book that you want to you wanna read first. So here's what he says. Cooperative learning is also different from group work. In group work, students are put together and asked to work together to learn, to complete a group project, or to do a group presentation. Like cooperative learning, the social organization of a group work is cooperative. Cooperation is the goal. But as anyone that has worked in an unstructured group can attest, often that's not what happens. Some students may do most or all of the work. Some students do little or none. Some students work independently. What is the main difference between group work and cooperative learning? Group work lacks structure. Effective cooperative learning carefully structures the interaction to ensure students work well together. So you'll probably hear me in this episode reference structures. And structures are things that Dr. Kagan has created to uh, give framework to what a teacher can do to get the kids to work cooperatively. And actually in episode 39 with Sarah, she she explains it in kind of a visual way. She talks about a picture frame. The structure is like the actual picture frame. And you can insert any picture, any lesson, any content, any grade level into that picture frame, into that structure, and it will work. So again, in his book, he says that a structure describes the relationship of the teacher, the students, and the learning content, how the interactions are structured. So cooperative learning groups are generally focused around heterogeneous grouping with mixed level of academics. So let me explain how I traditionally grouped my students for daily instructions. My students always sat in groups of four. There is only one time in my teaching career that students did not sit in cooperative learning groups, and I'll explain that here in a minute. At the beginning of the year, I took the information I received from the previous grade level, and I looked at their academic levels. I wrote each student's name on a sticky note, 
And the color of sticky note depended on their academic level. So maybe my high kids were on blue, my medium high were on orange, medium low on yellow, and my low kids were on red. Then I would line those up on a piece of paper, all my blues, reds, yellows, whatever colors, you know, in columns. So that way I could see the whole big picture. And then I would arrange the sticky notes. I would take one and, you know, one from this color, one from that color, and arrange them into groups of four with one student of each color or each level in the group. Of course, this didn't always pan out. Sometimes I had an odd number of kids, so there was a group of three. Sometimes, a lot of times, behaviorally, I couldn't put certain students together. And sometimes there were groups with one high, one low, and two medium high kids. It's okay, just try to get it as spread out as possible. Then I grouped my students in groups of four. I put place cards on the table. So if you can try and visualize this, I had a one, a two, a three, and a four. Number one and two were set next to each other and they were shoulder partners. And that was usually a high and a high medium kid. Then number three set across from two. They were face partners. So number two and three were face partners. My three was like the lowest kid of the group. And then number four was my low medium kid. He was shoulder partners with the three, the lowest I'm using air quotes, you can't see, but I keep using air quotes. Uh, And the idea is that they would have someone to help or help them. I would dictate if in the lesson or in the work, they were to work with their shoulder partner or their face partner. And within their table, they had two different people they could work with, whether it was their shoulder or face partner, depended on what I told them to do. Of course, when it was a whole group situation, they all worked together as a group, but one in four, the highest and the lowest were never directly partners. And the reason for this is that sometimes the really high kid can become really frustrated with the low kid or the really low kid could become really frustrated with this like smart kid that they don't understand or they're not, you know, able to just sometimes the communication, I guess, can break down. So by grouping them with someone closer to their level, there was a little bit more room for support without frustration. And because I also was a bilingual dual language teacher, I also had to ensure that I had two native English speakers and two native Spanish speakers at each table. Again, this didn't always work out, but the idea was that when they were in my English class and we only spoke in English, the Spanish-speaking students had peers at their table that could translate for them if need be. So that's how my groups were on a day-to-day basis and the groups that they were primarily in. However, we know that mixing up kids is really important to get them interacting with different students, different perspectives, and so on. So I'm going to share some alternate grouping ideas, but if you're wanting to make sure that you stick with cooperative learning, which remember that is group work with accountability, then you can do any of these groupings, just assign roles to each student. All right, teachers, is it time to step up your school clothes? I think seriously that your outfit can make your day. Sometimes something as simple as a new outfit that you feel confident in can totally change your outlook on the day. So I've got something for you to make getting dressed for school in the morning way easier. Allison from Get Your Pretty On has a ton of wardrobe challenges that give you all the pieces you need to create the perfect outfit. What I love about this is that she tells you everything you need to buy, pants, shirt, dresses, shoes, bags, accessories. You go buy it and then she shows you how to make the outfits. Here's what you get when you purchase one of her wardrobe challenges. A capsule wardrobe shopping list of on-trend items and classic basics. You're free to shop where you want and spend as much or as little as you want. You get links to shop for recommended items online or in store. Allison has done all the hard work for you by choosing items to suit every budget and body type. You also get a beautifully designed printable outfit guide so you can hang it in your closet when you need some inspiration. Seriously, y'all, this is so genius. 
She calls them a challenge, but there's not really anything about it that's a challenge. She just tells you what you need to buy and how you can style it and wear it so many different ways. And that's another thing I love about this. The challenge I used gave me the essentials I needed and then showed me all the different ways that I could put these pieces together to create different outfits. So each day I can leave the house wearing some of the same pieces, but in a completely different way each time. Each season she comes up with an updated guide for that season, plus she has a workwear challenge, a closet staples challenge, and even a challenge for stay-at-home moms. So I know we probably don't have many of those listening to the podcast, but during the summer we're kind of like stay-at-home moms, right? And we should look cute doing it. Then have no fear, there are even a couple challenges for you if you're interested. If you want to get access to your style challenge, then head to the simplyorganizedteacher.com slash resources. It's on my website right there. It'll link you straight to the Get Your Pretty On website where you can go and buy your challenge. So one idea is clock partners where each kid gets a printout of a clock. And however you decide to do it, they walk around and they find a one o'clock partner and they each write their name down on one o'clock. They find a four o'clock partner, each write their name down. And then whenever you need to mix students up, then the you say, go get with your two o'clock partner. And Jose and Julie know that they are partners and they go be partners together. The second idea is matching cards. So this could be something fun. You take a picture, cut it in half. They have to find, you know, the other half to their picture, famous couples, a deck of cards, or you could do it academically matching a definition in a word, a math problem in the solution, a synonym in the antonym, etc. Another idea for grouping uh, kids is this is from Kagan, a folding line. So you have students get in line based on whatever criteria you want. So I did this in a professional development with Dr. Kagan and he lined us up in order of, I think it was level of confidence with Kagan learning. So like You could teach this stuff to I don't even know anything about it. And you could line kids up uh, in the months they were born. I think I did this one time. Or confidence in a particular skill that you're teaching. And then you fold the line in half, and now they have a partner. And then you could even fold that line, or those two lines, in half again, and now you have a group of four. Four corners, again, there's a few different ways you could do it. So I'm on the fourth um, way that you can group your kids. So first was clock partner, second was matching cards, third is the folding line, fourth, four corners. So you could base it on topics. So say you're discussing morals of a fairy tale or a fable, you could group them based on different morals from different stories. They go to the one that they feel is most important. Or you could base it on level of confidence, state the topic you're teaching, maybe multiplication, Students go in this corner if they feel they understand it so well they could teach it. This corner if they know the facts but don't understand how it works and so on. The fifth way to group kids is through stand-up, hand-up, pair-up. Again, another Kagan structure for getting into groups. But sometimes in the morning, I would have everyone get up and put their hand up. Then I turned on some music and they walked around the room high-fiving peers and saying good morning. When the music stopped, they found the person closest to them and they became partners. The last idea for grouping up kids, number six, is switch grouping. And this is actually one of my favorite grouping structures that I learned only in my last year in the classroom. And so I didn't get to use it a ton, but it's a great way to mix up kids. So say you're solving a math problem as a group. Also, I want to apologize. I'm in a closed room with the door closed. Milo is like up and ready to move. And so, yeah, you can probably hear You can hear him breathing into the mic. You can hear his collar jingling. Um, Anyways, 
say you have kids in a group and you're working on a math problem. Once the group has come up with their answer, then you call for all the number twos. Remember how at the beginning I talked about the one, two, three, and four at each table? The group comes up with their their collective answer, and then you call all the number twos to stand up. They each have to go find a new table to be with. But those other tables, the kids who are still there, are cheering and screaming and begging for this new person to come to their team. They're never saying, like, a certain person's name. They're just like, come to our team. And then now you have a slightly new group. The number, The new number two can show, can share her team's solution to the problem and defend how they got that answer. And the people at the table can either agree with it or disagree with it and then discuss. Of course, there's definitely a time and a place for groupings, homogeneous groupings, like in a small group where you want to make sure that you're working on each student's ability level. But also remember that these groups can be flexible based on the different topics you're teaching. Some students might really excel at data analysis but struggle with multiplication and then need to be in a little bit of a slower moving group. That's okay. And then real quick, I want to wrap up with, uh, I mentioned that my kids are always sitting in cooperative learning groups. So this is how my kids sat day to day in these groups. So that way all throughout the day, I could provide these structures, rally Robin, rally table, um, mixed pair share, any kind of Kagan structure I wanted to do. The kids were already in the groupings. I even went so far as to give them assigned seats on the carpet, not necessarily because I wanted control over where they sat, but I wanted them next to their face partner or shoulder partner, their person that I put them with so that even on the carpet, when we're reading a book, I could say, turn to your shoulder partner and discuss the character trait you saw in this book. And then they were with their partner with somebody on their ability level or near their ability level. But as I said at the beginning, there was one time my kids didn't sit in cooperative learning groups, and it was only for a couple weeks because if you've been listening for any length of time, you've heard me talk about my year from hell. That's what I lovingly call it. Um, But I mean, it was a good year. It was just a bad year too, you know? And during that time, I was really struggling with, I just had a lot of difficult students in that class, a lot of behavior in that class. So there was a time where I put my kids in rows and I didn't like it, but sometimes you have to alter things and you have to take things away from, in that situation, it wasn't about best practice. It was about what is going to keep me sane and what's going to keep these kids from yelling and bickering at each other. And that's okay. So if there's a time that you feel like cooperative learning can't work or you need to break away from what is considered best practice just to get through your day, that's okay. There's there's room for that in the classroom. All right, I'd love to hear from you about the type of groupings you have in your classroom. Do you do group work? Do you do cooperative learning? Come find me on Instagram at the Simply Organized Teacher and let me know. And as I say time and time again, I share lots of ideas here, but the idea is that you take only one or two of these that are the most helpful to you or stick out the most to you and implement those. Do not stress yourself out coming up with ways to implement everything I talked about tomorrow. And if you have a second, please make sure to head to iTunes to write and review the podcast. I'm looking for some more reviews to read and I need your help. It's super easy and I've got the tutorial up on my Instagram stories. So head over there to see how to leave a review and maybe yours will make it on a podcast. All right, I'll be back next week with my new online friend, Jen Holt. She's a homeschool teacher mama who shares great resources on creating and selling TPT products. And she even has a course coming out. So make sure that if you're a TPTer to listen in next week and I will talk to you all then. 
All right, teachers, did you know that I am offering some coaching sessions? One of my absolute favorite things to do, and really the whole reason that I started the Simply Organized Teacher and Simply Teach was to help teachers. I provide a ton of content and support all in relation to organizing your classroom, your materials, your student materials. I love talking on the podcast about classroom management techniques, but maybe sometimes that information is a little bit too generic for what you need, or maybe you're really struggling with a certain area of classroom organization. I know that you probably have instructional coaches on your campus or in your district, but they tend to focus on just that, instruction, which we know is really, really, really important. But if you'd like to get some personalized one-on-one support in the classroom organization or management world, then I'm your girl. Currently, I'm offering 90 minutes in a one-on-one session for $39. Basically, what this means is that you purchase a session and sign up for a time that works for the both of us. Then I'll send you a survey that you fill out detailing your specific needs and struggles. I review all of this information and then I compile a list of things for us to talk about and ideas that I have to share with you. Then on whatever date or time that you decide we're going to meet, I hop on a conference call and we chat for about 90 minutes. I'll share with you the ideas that I have, but I'm also going to be coaching you, asking you questions, getting you to think critically about what you're doing and how you can change it. And then we'll leave the conversation with a game plan of action steps that you can take moving forward. One teacher that I worked with said this about our time working together. Since Kelly started working with me, my organization skills in my classroom have improved. I have space for my lesson materials for each day of the week organized by subject. I've completely reorganized my closets per Kelly's advice, and now I can find things without spending several minutes looking for what I need. My teaching has greatly improved because everything now has a place and I spend more time teaching than stressing because I can't find something. My next organization to do is to reorganize my library, making it easier for my students to find and manage our library books. Thanks, Kelly. I love hearing that she's saving time. That's why, that's why organization is so important to me because it helps us save time. If you want an opportunity to reserve a session with me, then head to my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. On the top menu bar, there's a link to my shop. You can click on that and you'll be taken directly to the shop where you can purchase your 90 minute session with me for $39. Just a heads up, this summer, I plan on restructuring my coaching offers and the price will be going up. So if you want to get in while it's lower, then head there now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and access to the Simply Organized Teacher email list is all over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at the Simply Organized Teacher. Guys, I want to be your social media friend. I want to interact with you, so come find me. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.